No, no. Initially, um, I did not make any of those reports because I was afraid, as many doctors are, because as soon as you get caught up in criticising the mRNA vaccines, then all this fear and pressure from our colleagues and from the college and from ARPA and everybody starts coming down on you. So um, I made recommendation in my notes, but did I go ahead and have the guts to report it to the TGA? No, I did not, because that was back in the day when I valued my job and my family and my security and my finances more than my patients. And I apologize for that and I'm sorry for that. And that's what I'm trying to do now is to make up for my past mistakes by honoring the medical ethics that I uh, ascribe to, which is helping the patients first. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, August 8th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Having a very frustrating day to get through all the censorship and everything else that's happening out in the world, but there's important things to talk about. And I'm going to be talking about some in, in some interesting developments that are in this larger discussion about the, the building control structure that's happening around us right this moment. And it's not just about the last American vagabond or independent media or anybody. The clip I just played you, as you guys have seen happening this entire time, are doctors. These are doctors who are speaking out about how they are being threatened and, and manipulated so they won't speak out about what they're literally seeing in their practice. We need to see how clearly this is happening, not just, not just around independent media, but in every aspect of our lives right now. And how this is building into the, or in fact, as the title puts today, and not to suggest that these fights aren't important, but as we're fighting to prove all the stuff that's proven, <laughs> that is proven already, that's already very clear and they just don't want to accept it. As we fight this battle, they're building this circle around us right now. And it's infuriating. It's and it's, it's oftentimes it's defeating. It makes you feel like you're not making a difference. But every single day, you guys make me see that we are making a difference. Every day you inspire me to realize that how they make me feel is not real. As if you're screaming into the wind or that you might just you should just give up because you're not making a difference or because there's nothing you can do about what they're trying to do to your website or to your reach or to your YouTube channel or to your Twitter account or to your Venmo or to your cash app or to every other thing that's happening in every possible way. All total coincidence, simultaneous attacks and censorship, totally just conspiracy theory. Of course, that's what they'd want you to think and certainly could be. The bottom line, though, is this is happening across the board to people like you just saw. Average people that aren't making channels and videos about what's going on just decided to one day say what he thought was happening and realized he was being attacked for it. It's everywhere. I know you guys can see it. Now, today we're going to have an, an important conversation about all of that. And, and each little category has another important discovery or not discovery, but data point in the evolution of this conversation. Masks, lockdowns, vaccines. All new stuff, but adding it to the long continuation of knocking these things down with peer-reviewed science that we've been doing since the very beginning, it's undeniable what's happening. And as you've been increasingly hear me say, usually because I'm being driven forward with the frustration of what's happening, I'm done soft-pedaling this stuff. I'm not going to pretend like I have to pull well, we'll equivocate because YouTube says I'm supposed to say this. That's ridiculous. That's cowardly. We're going to stand up and say what's happening. 
because we don't care about the censorship. And I was doing this while we were on YouTube. I was, I, I mean, and you guys saw we got attacked, lost our Patreon, lost all these things, lost a lot of revenue. But it's because I care about the truth and you more than anything else. That's what we're here for. What else is everybody else doing that aren't doing that? Not to suggest that there's not, there's a lot of people doing what I'm doing that are taking the stand right now. And that's what a lot of people I'm going to start having on my new Rockfin show, The Moving Target. We just had Carrie Wedler on, or rather a week, week ago, but I had put that interview on there of people that are fighting with this. They are fighting against all of this and standing up at a time when it takes more courage than ever to stand up against the current narrative and being shouted down for it, being ignored for it. They deserve your respect. But we're going to go through all this today and show you how while all this is happening, they're building what we keep telling you is coming. And it's not even a secret. It is damn obvious. And I'm sure you can, I was, I'm not going to let them sense that I'm frustrated today. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to let, I can't, it's impossible for me not to be sincere and honest with you guys. I, today's been rough for me. It's been a frustrating and in, in, in seemingly insurmountable day. Now I'll show you why in a moment. I wasn't, you see, I didn't mean, I didn't want to start with this, but it's impossible for me not to have that come out and, and it's, it's there but before i'll show you it in one point away we're going to go through all this today i want to make quick points before we got into everything else one which is that and by the way the video we just did about the 41 plus people killed in gaza over 15 children during the illegal and absolute in, unbelievable attack on gaza that's ignored by everybody else in the western world in the corporate world i should say that video was just taken down, despite all of that being accurate, you know, directly from information you can prove. But the bottom line is, it's absolutely happening. Robert just wrote an article that I was able to squeeze through. I'll show you what I mean by that in the ongoing current website down censorship of our website. This is just up from before. But if you get this to come up, hopefully by tomorrow, we'll have some of these things rectified. Why did Israel just attack Gaza? And what does this mean? It's an important discussion about what's actually happening. Now, just to show you, um, hopefully it'll load, but probably not. The website is actually under attack right now. And the frustrating part about this is it's an attack on the server. It's a dedicated server that we have, that we pay for, that the only site on that is The Last American Vagabond. And despite that, it is being directly attacked. Air establishing a database connection. This is what we keep seeing right now. It's going up and down and up and down. Now, it could just be something sporadic, of course. Now, first people say, oh, what about, you know, server updates? And say, well, this is just mine. This is not GoDaddy. It's our own server. It's the only, it's the only website on there is thelastamericanvagabond.com, and it's a gigantic server. My plan was to grow into it, obviously, and we spend a lot for it. It's, it's a dedicated server, the dedicated service from the team and everything, right? The point is that this has been happening all day. Oh, actually, I forgot there was one other point that I was going to make. Well, I might as well just do this really quickly, and then this is what we're going to get into, what's actually happening with the website. But I wanted to make something clear, by the way, that just frustrates me and the same kind of stuff that we're seeing is that somebody reached out and was saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I no longer have any faith in you because all of the amazing things you've done and all the group basically they're saying, you're my favorite podcast and you just, you, I guess, accidentally thought this tweet was real. Therefore, you're no longer genuine to me and I'm disappointed. <laughs> I don't think, I don't even buy this person is real because I don't think, I don't know what kind of a child would make that kind of a conclusion after years of great work that you make one mistake and you're terrible now. <laughs> That's dumb. But my point is to show you this is, What's frustrating is that people need to understand in the context of the conversation that a lot of these things are general points. And as I said, this is a, a tweet that I showed yesterday, and it was a, a parody account, which which was my mistake. I, I didn't I didn't know it was parody. I was taking it at face value, which I made clear when discussing it. But the overarching point is it was a general point. 
about how people are realizing they've been duped, which is happening all over the place. People, real people tweeting about how I'm realizing this was wrong and so on. I grabbed this one, as I said, just because it was funny. It was just a reference point. I could have made this point the same way with or without the tweet that was in front of me. The point is, is simply that I, I make mistakes like anybody else. And as I'm doing now, I'm correcting that, saying I made a mistake. This Ann Lesby account was a parody account. But the point was not that that is the real and that's the only thing happening, but rather that people everywhere are realizing it. And that was just the one that passed in front of me that day. So it wasn't important as, as, as everything else to be exact and say this is completely verified. But I should have. And that's right. I should have made sure, even though it's an important point. I just want to make it's important to me, people to see that even small, dumb things like this, it matters to me that I'm correct on. But nonetheless, there's a lot of this that happens. And these are always the points that people for me, right? at least it is a mistake, but it's ones where it's a kind of a passing tangential point, And I just kind of pluck something out of the ether to make a point, And it doesn't even need to be there. Just wanted to make that clear because it did frustrate me. But going forward back on the website stuff that this is happening right now in real time, as you can see. Just another day in the life of T-Lab. The website's been down for most of the day, occasionally coming up briefly. The escalation team I spoke with at HostGator is confused on why it was even happening. We've been going back. In, 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 in reality, I've been going back and forth with them for, I don't know, months now trying to figure this out. And they just a new team comes up every time and I get busy. We have to restart it all over again. But the point is that I actually got them on the record after one person finally dug into this and truly found out what's going on. That, that in their opinion, this is 100% an attack. Now, I want to play this for you real quick, just so you guys can hear this. Or, <laughs> that's frustrating, or I guess not, seeing as how, <sighs> that's, that's crazy. One thing I'm noticing, by the way, with these new computers, new things, there's these new files. There's like M4A files and, and Web W3 or something. It's, everything is different and seemingly not translatable now. Some of you might understand what I mean by that. It's really confusing, and it seems like a frustrating and unnecessary thing to do. But I wanted to play this text, this or excuse me, audio for you, where they're telling you this is an attack. It's a coordinated attack on your server, and here's what it is, and here's what we're doing. Right now, they're in the process of trying to rectify all of this, blocking certain IPs and, and adding new security measures and so on. Even though they had their security measures for OSCAD, even though I had my CDN and everything we were doing, they were still able to overwhelm my server which is what happened today. That's why it's still going up and down. Not an accident. Doesn't have to mean it's the government, guys. But I just want you all to hear this. You all know for the most part, but hear that this is a focused and deliberate attack on the last American vagabond, perfectly timed with everything else that's going on. So I personally find it pretty clear what's happening. That being said, maybe I can do it this way. Hold on. I'm just going to bring it up on my end and play it. Hopefully you guys can hear it. First of all, sir, uh, our admin team has diagnosed that your server faced resource exhaustion because of this WordPress XML or PC attacks. Basically, these are bots that's crawling onto your website, and it is in, it, it is increasing the traffic onto your website. Thus, um, it has, it's requesting um, various requests from the server. However, uh, as we all know. So he bottom line was, and this is something that we've, we all heard about the bots, you know, crawling a website. This is a very common thing today. We all, so we've heard the, the point though, is that what they get into, and I'm not even sure, maybe you guys can inform me about what those are. Right. And it's, and it's not, it's actually not in a DDoS attack. He was very clear about that. It's very, it's different. It's something that's more deliberate. These are actual entities or, or rather, you know, bots, which don't have to be a person, but they're, they're console thing, right? They're attacking this, the site 
as a as as a faking to be a person and overwhelming the server. Now the point is this is a massive dedicated server and I'm just one little sliver of it. So it seems to reason stands to reason that they took much more resources and time and, and it's not just a small little GoDaddy website that they're trolling and bot and doing this stuff for independent re like this is a focused thing. Now, you guys can take my word for it if you'd like. The bottom line is even with them telling me it's an attack, people will still act like it's something else. Now, it doesn't have to be a government-coordinated censorship kind of thing. But nonetheless, it's happening all over the place, guys. And it's not happening to every website everywhere. So ask yourself why these are being focused on. That's not just T-Lab either. But this is everywhere. Now, the point of showing you this is not just to say I'm being censored. That's old news. It's to make you realize that this is the world we're stepping into, where these things are unaccountable, and completely, and see, the thing is, they want to remove your anonymity, right? They want to they want to remove your ability to represent or not represent yourself online. They want to stop you from being able to be anonymous while they have all the ability, they being whatever you want it to mean, the hierarchy enslaving you, the people in power, the, the powers that should not be, the people in these positions abusing these things and being anonymous and using this, or, or corporations for that matter. What could be somebody else that doesn't like my work? Could be an individual. The point is that we're in a world where people who are doing these kind of things are the ones that are allowed to be anonymous while you as an individual are being removed in that way. And, and <laughs> Yeah, see, see, Sierra knows. She's frustrated about it too. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but she growled. But the point, guys, going forward is that this is where we're going, and we all need to be very aware of that. And here's a tweet, by the way, in that same point that just happened, where they, where they, in fact, with a frustrated, you guys can't see it yet. This is just a, hmm, the page doesn't exist, but here's the tweet. This was the CBS News tweet that we just talked about, and it's a CBS corporate media outlet that did a documentary. And my point was, look at how they're now slowly admitting the narrative all this time called Arming Ukraine. And they admit that basically 70% of the things they're sending are going to who knows, which is exactly what happened to Syria and Afghanistan and everywhere else, because that's what is meant to happen. The 70%, probably more than that, is the point, in my opinion. They act like, oops, we're, we're incompetent. Always rather be incompetent than criminal, right? But they're criminal. They're not incompetent. Well, they're in both, but they'd rather be seen that way because this is an easy way to sidestep the accountability for openly funding Nazis, right? But just, I'll jump ahead just a quick point. Oh, guess what? Even though we know that's happening, and even though Amnesty International and the German media and everyone's calling out how grossly incompetent and criminal this government is and allowed to be that way and everything terrible happening in Ukraine, Biden, again, just sent another $1 billion to Ukraine. Another billion dollars from your money that while well, you can't feed your family and you're starving, money going to them. He they just turned down forty billion dollars for you and your family and your businesses, but allowed forty eight billion, or rather, I think it was forty eight to you, and then forty billion to go to Ukraine. Like, think about how insulting that is. But the point was, Ukraine spoke up and said, "Hey, we don't like that truth being told because it is truth, by the way. It's easy to prove." I mean, at the very least, you should be, if you're a mainstream media watcher, your opinion should, they want you to think anyway, is that, well, if they're reporting it, it must be true because they, they do their due diligence, don't they? That's not true, first of all. That might have been confusing in the bigger picture, but the point is, they're supposed to think that. That's what most people think that watch mainstream, and yet they put that up, meaning in the context of that, that should have done their due diligence, yet Ukraine speaks up and they pull it down. How do you explain that? Was it not real? Did they lie the first time, or are they pulling down true information? The point is, none of it matters. It's just because they were told not to say it, so they pulled it down. That's corporate media for you. The, the tweet says, the new CBS report documentary, Arming Ukraine, explores why much of the billions of dollars in military aid that the U.S. is sending to Ukraine doesn't make it to the front lines. Quote, like 30% of it reaches the final destination. 
They pulled it down. This was the tweet. It's gone. Here's the here's a business insider. CBS partially retracts documentary that outraged Ukraine by claiming that U.S. weapon shipments were going missing. Not claiming they are going missing or rather they're going where they're supposed to go, which is not to the people that they're telling you it's going to. Don't you love them wearing stupid masks on? <laughs> it's so stupid. God, I, I don't even buy it. They're not all wearing masks in there. It's such a stupid. Anyway, the, the frustrating part about this is they were told to. So they did it. It's all true information. And I might as well play that for you again, since we still have it. It's very interesting that they would pull this down. In the past two months, we've moved weapons and equipment to Ukraine at record speed. Drones, grenade launchers, machine guns. We're seeing this incredible historic flow of weapons coming into Ukraine. Do we have any sense as to where they're going? We don't know. There is really no information as to where they're going uh, at all. And that's actually not true. I mean, we can prove to you where these are going. We can discuss how we can see the weapons being used. We can see the bombs killing civilians in Donetsk. Yeah, we can see all that. Eva, Bar Eva Bartlett on the ground is proving that too. It's all there. Either way you want to play this game, it's either that we don't know or they're in bad guy hands. Either way, they're not going where they're supposed to, and that's your money. Your money, while well, they're reducing how much food you can have, reducing everything in your life for, for some larger agenda that they've decided for, is for your best interest without asking you. We know. So either way you spin this, they're being caught, and then they get called out for it by the people that they're, you, they're working with, and they just pull it down. All this stuff goes through the border, and then kind of like something happens, it kind of like you know, 30% maybe we just it's find destination. 30%? Are you concerned about weapons getting in the wrong hands? I don't care at all whether that happens. What sort of a unit <laughs> do you commit? Uh, can't say. Oh, we can't say. Azov movement. Yeah, we, oh, we can't talk about it. Okay. You know, there are like power lords, uh, oligarchs, uh, political players. One of the biggest targets are convoys like this transporting weapons. Anyway, you get the point. How, how embarrassing, right? And these are the people that we're supposed to be listening to is what they would tell you. I mean, it's just, I, nobody believes this. The people that still watch and listen to this as if it's the only source of information are the people that are in lost in the two-party paradigm or are playing team politics. How do you not, I mean, it's, it's, you can't pull these things down and act like either they were, so they've got either got it wrong, which should challenge their credibility, or they pulled down accurate information, which should challenge their credibility. There's no way to come away looking good from that, but that doesn't matter. They're willing to challenge their entire reputation as CBS because Ukraine said so, or rather because they were told to by whoever's pulling their strings, probably the government. And you, I mean, that's the case regardless of how you spin it. And then they're sending another billion dollars to Ukraine, you know, because it makes sense, right? Well, on that note, let's jump into the other manipulations that are taking place in the same way. Why were they posting information, peer-reviewed science, even on the New England Journal of Medicine, and then because it says something they don't like, or rather more clearly because that thing they don't like gets traction? Well, people get upset. The, the fact checkers take issue with the one of the leading medical journals in the world. Right. The fact checkers that have been wrong about damn near everything they've quote unquote fact checked. We know they're opinion checkers. We know they've even called out for that. And all many of these groups have been caught lying. They've been caught being forced to expose that they weren't actually checking facts, but opinions, narrative. But bottom line, guys, the New England Journal of Medicine study that we just talked about that this Japanese doctor also referenced about or rather, excuse me, he was referencing the Lancet, but same discussion. 
It says the study on COVID vaccines is taken out of context. And what, what exactly does that mean? Well, the best part is you don't get to know because they just give you this one little paragraph breakdown. Now, they do get into this the fact check down here, but most people don't do that. See, they just see this clip, they read it, they move forward. And this is a study by the New England Journal of Medicine found that the median, the average duration of COVID infectiousness, infectiousness was longer among the unvaccinated, or excuse me, it was one day longer among unvaccinated participants compared with those who had been vaccinated. The bottom line was you were better off if you were unvaccinated in, in, in whether you were infectious. And it basically says that the study group size, I swear to you, this, this is in, incredible that they make this argument. And any differences between subgroups were just too small to be statistically meaningful or to make conclusions about immunity or vaccines. Right. Well, so then why are you doing that with all the observational studies or that one mass study you all just pointed at? That's exactly the same way. They take small groups or when the CDC took 26 areas instead of the entire country and said, look at how great these things work, choosing to pick out the areas that made it look good. This is exactly what they do. But when the New England Journal of Medicine puts out a study, that's very clearly acknowledging it's a small group. It's just a small study that says that here's the finding. And all we do is point to that finding and say, that's what they found. They go, oh, fake news. Take it out of context. It's not out of context. We're acknowledging what the study finds. You just don't like what it shows. And of course, when you take into consideration all the other studies that find the same thing, large, small, and in between, you see that this is not just all they can do is attack the base of the study. But realize they've been doing this on their side the entire damn time, manipulating by data. But the point is, guys, it's all there. This is how they're trying to pull down things, even peer-reviewed science that come out. Now, just watch as they pump out preprints and observational studies left and right and act like it changes the game. But the moment one comes out, even peer-reviewed, they go, well, this is why. Here's the... I know. And remember, when we pointed this out, did we say this is the end-all be-all? This proves everything? No, because we're not stupid. We pointed out as one more study in a long line of scientific research. And you're supposed to take that into con consideration and come to your own conclusions. The difference is they show you one small thing and go, oh, it's ended, game over. They're all wrong. I mean, it really is that stupid. Now, here's the one we just pointed out yesterday. June 5th is when this came out. And yet still, they're not talking about it. Adverse effects of COVID-19 vaccines and measures to prevent them. This was a doctor speaking out, trying to make it clear that he sees what's happening. He, now he points to the Lancet study that had, was a similar study. It says on the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines and the waning of immunity with time. Rather, rather similar context. One was about the how long you were infectious. And I think the national, uh, was it the National Pulse or the whatever one? I think this, one of those websites we showed you, that was when we discussed it. And we made the point that it was simply that they're showing you that if you are com completely unvaccinated versus people that have injections, you're better off. You're less infectious for less time, blah, on and on and on. This one is about whether or not your immunity goes away almost immediately, which it does, or it's, if it's even there, or if it's producing a clinical response, but not making the proper antibodies. This is a whole other conversation, which they know and are avoiding. But it says the study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of vaccine was lower than that among people that had no injections in their body. The argument, this, the argument being, is, especially when they attack the idea of natural immunity even being in existence, is that you shouldn't have even remotely the same, especially since they argue the vaccine's better than natural immunity. But yet they have nothing in their body, but, have, but they have lower immunity than immune function than people that have nothing. The people with injections have lower immune function than people that have nothing in their body. The reason being, as we know, because the injections are destroying their immune system, which, by the way, the UK spoke up about, which now I think Germany spoke There's plenty of people are pointing this out. 
standing up and going, we acknowledge this can hurt your immunity. And that's the same thing they're saying here. Now, at the bottom, he says, uh, as a safety measure, further booster vaccines should be discontinued, which is something else somebody calls for. I'll show you next. It says, in conclusion, COVID vaccination is a major risk factor for infections in critically ill patients. Right. That's exactly the point. And he goes on to actually make it clear here that the decrease in immunity can be caused by several factors, which is so first of all, they're seeing that peer reviewed science, not a small thing. They are seeing their immune system destroyed. There's nothing to do with COVID-19, the injections destroying their immunity. But he says many factors like the spike protein, which we talked about, lipid nanoparticles. Hey, look at that. Antibody dependent enhancement, which no one wants to address. All sorts of things. The point is that's been there. Here's another doctor we played in the beginning. Dr. William Bay speaking up. And he's the one, by the way, we just saw speaking out at that conference and being attacked and, you know, you know, not physically, but being removed from the building and being disparaged and called out. And the point is they tried to make him out to be some fringed YouTuber. The point is, guys, he's a doctor. This is him. And he's, he's going to tell you right now that he's he, he's apologizing for speaking out or not speaking out sooner because he knows what's happening. Now, you don't have to take his word for it. He's just a, a doctor. He could be lying. He could be misinformed. The point is that this is the, he, what he's telling you is not whether or not you should trust what he thinks is happening, but rather that people are trying to control his ability to say these things. As a doctor with credentials, he has a right to speak on medically what he's seeing, and they're being suppressed. And we're finding this being admitted across the board. That they're being attacked and threatened with licenses being removed and so on, if they dare to even speak up, even if they can prove what they're saying. How do you not see, if you think this is all fake, what that shows you? So let's listen to what he has to say, because it's pretty important. You mentioned, uh, I think we were half-time checks, um, about some patients have died. Do you know how many of your patients have died from, or you think may have died from the vaccine? Uh, well, knowing and thinking two different things, um, I don't know specifically, and that is because, as you may be aware, the uh, medical boards via APRA uh, does not allow the freedom of speech to discuss these type of things. That's exactly why you're calling me now, because I'm in danger, like many other doctors who've been censored before, um, from for speaking out of these things. So I would love to have the data to know exactly how many of my patients have died, have been harmed. I mean, we've got, um, you know, what, 200,000 reports to the TGA of adverse um, events. We've got uh, close to 1,000 deaths reported. So these are just the reported ones. Have there been full investigations on that? No. Um, there's been no autopsies to my mind. Senator Rennick has been trying to get this information out there, but we just can't get it. So that's why it's really important, I believe, what I'm doing, because if I can make it easier for doctors to speak out, then we're all going to get this information. We we can find out finally once and for all what is happening with these mRNA vaccines. So I think you made reports too to the TGA on behalf of your patients. They got turned away from the emergency department. No, no. Initially, um, I did not make any of those reports because I was afraid, as many doctors are. Because as soon as you get caught up in criticising the mRNA vaccines, then all this fear and pressure from our colleagues and from the college and from ARPA and everybody starts coming down on you. So um, I made recommendation in my notes, but did I go ahead and have the guts to report it to the TGA? No, I did not. Because that was back in the day when I valued my job and my family and my security and my finances more than my patients. And I apologize for that and I'm sorry for that. And that's what I'm trying to do now is to make up for my past mistakes by honoring the medical ethics that I uh, ascribe to, which is helping the patients first. Well, I've got plenty there that um, 
you raise a lot of valid points, so my editor might want you to do a sort of write reply. That's the gist of it. There's a longer interview you guys can watch. I just wanted you to see that he, there's a lot, and he's one of many guys that are finding the courage to their own detriment, by the way, to speak up and say, I see what's happening. These are hurting people. They're not safe and effective. The benefits don't outweigh the risks. And it's very, very obvious. Everything in front of us shows us that. <clears throat> now, here is a video from 2021. Right, this is 2021, but we've already played this for you. But I wanted to reiterate this just because it's important to recognize this was being called out way back in the beginning. And this is Taiwan saying this, by the way. It's interesting correlation to today. But here's what they're saying. Just remember that this has always been the case. One, the number of people dying after their COVID vaccination is exceeding the number of deaths from the virus itself. Taiwan's health authorities say that as of Monday, deaths after vaccination reached 865, while deaths from the virus are at 845. Vaccines currently offered in Taiwan include AstraZeneca, Moderna, Pfizer-BioNTech and Taiwan's own vaccine, Medigen. Out of the 865 deaths after vaccination, over 600 were from AstraZeneca and nearly 200 deaths after Moderna shot. Hmm. Incredible. And yet it continued because that makes sense, right? No, oh, it's unverified. Can't be conspiracy theory. Benefits outweigh the risk. Just keep the mantra going, right? Who cares about what's obviously happening? And then just it was. Uh, and then his point is you just, you know, the numbers are probably five times that now because the data only got worse. Now, here's another example. This is, by the way, <laughs> what's crazy to me, it says on May 15th. So clearly this was even before that. I was unable to find the date on here because it's a, you had to translate this. Oh, right here it says, oh, it's updated as of June 2022. So clearly this is still accurate. And it says on May 15th, 2022. And this is from a, a, a I think it's a Denmark or Danish health authority. And then you can see it's the, it's the, Dan the website. You can see it. And it says the Danish Health Authority completed the vaccination program for the current season, which is a weird way of saying that they're stopping, right? They're stopping the vaccination program after what they've done. The Danish Health Authority plans to resume the COVID pro vaccination program for some target groups in the autumn and winter season of 2022-2023. So right now they're just stopping. No one else in the world is doing that as far as I can tell. They're putting a stop to it now and resuming once we get to winter for some people. And here's the important part. Vaccination of children and people under 18. It says children and young people only very rarely become seriously ill from COVID-19 with the Omicron variant or any of them, by the way, always been the case. Therefore, from July 1st, 2022, it will no longer be possible, not forced, not mandated, but it won't even be possible for children in, in, in Danish area in, in Denmark to for, for children for possible for children and young people under the age of 18 to get a jab at all, to get the first one. And from September 1st, 2022, it will no longer be possible for them to even get the second jab. So cutting them off in every possible way. You can't keep getting the series and you can't get your first one if you were under 18 or under. Quite, And they say quite a few children with a particularly increased risk of a serious course will still have the option of vaccination after an individual assessment by a doctor. Now, that's very obvious and very clear. I still argue they should pull it back for anybody. I mean, I don't. I actually, I should have made it, looked into whether or not they're making they're they're mandating it here. I forgot to check. I don't want to get derailed. I'm trying to get done within an hour. I'm going to be joining the union of the unwanted. But what's interesting is that they're making this stance at a time when they're forcing everywhere else on children more than anything. 
quite it's, and and what they're even saying is there, there's quite a few children with a, a specific risk. So they're you know whatever that would mean to them. They don't explain what that category is. We'll get they'll they'll just give them the option. And even if they then go yes, I want it, they must get assessed by a doctor first before they can get it. I mean, it seems like they're going out of their way in the opposite direction to make it difficult even for those that may want it in the risk group to get the injection. They know this is dangerous. I don't even know how else you would explain that. At the very least, that they know the benefits don't outweigh the risks for these children. But here we are, guys. I mean, how can this be happening around the world? And yet we're being forced in other places to make this is on May 15th. But the truth is, I keep showing you, is that the, everybody sees this. People are just finally gaining the courage to push back in the corporate field. Now, on the same discussion, this is a real, real quick point before I go on to mass and lockdowns that I wanted you to see. San Diego County data busts a hole in vaccine efficacy narrative now you can read this for yourself it's there's a lot of great information that he breaks down with the graphs now as it says according to the cdc san diego county hit a 99.9 percent .9 vaccination rate on october 7th which by the way again not like we need to challenge the illusion of the what they pushed around the concept of herd immunity not that that's not possible but the idea that this would end once that happened the point is the injections didn't do even remotely what they pretended they would do in fact they've made it much much worse and so that proves to you and shows you that even once they reach that, reach that number, the, look at everything exploding even more. Blame the unvaccinated because it's easy to say without proving. That's what they're doing. The truth is they're hurting people. But it weirdly jumped down to 95 and continued from there once they just ended altering the numbers, showing you they lied in the beginning. But the overarching point, if you want to read through this for yourself, is that the data breaking down shows you that they're combining, as we keep showing you in every other category, the unvaccinated with people that have some shots. And that's when they transition to the pandemic of the unboosted. They're, they're admitting that now. The majority of these deaths are happening to people that have no booster, which is meaning they have injections in their body. It's a quick and easy sleight of hand for people that aren't paying attention for them to pretend that it's still people that are not along with what they're supposed to be doing. But they just switch between people that had none and people that have some. That's a huge transition because the people that have none are the obvious control group proving that they're lying to you and they're trying to get away from that. Here's the point on that just in San Diego. He says, as all, all this said, everything he just broke down data-wise, he said he noted that San Diego excluded the column for unvaccinated. That was a conscious choice. They shifted from having that to having it say not fully vaccinated, which is exactly what Ontario did, exactly what the rest of them did. He says the unvaccinated were weirdly grouped with the not fully vaccinated. Regardless, the proportions of death in these categories that they chose to display are all almost identical to the proportions of the populations those groups represent. Same point that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Toby was making on Daily Skeptic, and he's right. Both of them are right. I was saying the same thing. You, if you have 80% of the population vaccinated and 80% of the people that are vaccinated in the hospital and dying, well, even if that's the majority of people and will be overrepresented, it shows you there's no benefit. That does not statistically make sense unless it means there's there's it's it's not statistically significant. They don't want you to make sense of this. But it does. That, that's what you're finding when you break these down, indicating almost precisely zero vaccine efficacy. As he says, also, he was able to determine the approximate number of people in each a group. Um, oh, there, there's more that you can go on and read. I was going to go into this deeper, but uh, he says, understand that since there's no unvaccinated category that there's statistics, he's unable to make it to specifically find out the full vaccine efficacy analysis for that grouping. And that's why they do that. They want to make sure you don't find out how clearly it's not working and how clearly people that are uninjected are faring better. And that's in every place you want to look. Now, what's interesting is you here's the San Diego report. You can see for yourself. 
not, and that's why when you look at these, it makes it look as if the people that are not up to date are overwhelming everything. The truth is they're jumping, they're bunching together people with one shot and people with none. And don't forget what we've always told you based on the Alberta data that revealed it. The facts are that the majority, and uh, I mean, it's not the majority, it's over 80% of everything that happens following these injections, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths happen within the first 21 days following that first shot. So perfect, you combine those two categories and it makes it look like that end is the problem. No, the problem is the injections being added to a person's body for the first time when they don't need it and they're dangerous and it explodes and causes all these problems. And then the body's reeling, trying to make up for it. Now we're all the way down the way where people are immune system is having an immune deficiency problem. And there's all sorts of ways they're gaming everything going forward. But all that is a bigger conversation. The point is that not fully vaccinated clearly includes people with injections in their body. This is a game. It's an obvious illusion. And even then, you can see that it only just starts. I mean, it's basically very similar up until they do this. And it, the bottom line is, guys, you can look at every category. Deaths, hospitalizations, it's the same game. Not fully vaccinated. Now, when you break this down compared with the UK, Scotland, Alberta, Ontario, or any of the places that were just moments ago revealing you the unvaccinated versus any shots, it's overwhelmingly obvious. And that's why they're now combining these things to hide it from you. Oh, and, and this Justin Hart points out that on top of all of that, and this is the point they love to dismiss because, well, most of them are vaccinated, therefore there will be a majority. 67% of all the recent COVID-19 deaths in San Diego are fully injected. Majority of those are fully vaccinated and boosted. It just does not add up. This is not what they sold you. They sold you no one will die, no one will go to the hospital except those dirty unvaxxers. And they're just flipping the script as quickly as possible to get you to the next shot. And on top of that, all the things and actions they've been taking around the lockdowns, the masks, and everything else have only added to that risk. As Adam points out, we'll really just quote the study I'll show you next, that they know that these things are not the right choice. I'll just read the quote. We estimate the lockdowns imposed contrary to the advice of all pandemic plans published before 2020, which is true, may claim 20 times more life years than they save. That's another peer-reviewed study from mdpi.com. Right here. I already shared this. July 29th. No, I guess they just missed it on the corporate media, right? The breaking news science, they must have missed as they trust the science but ignore all the science. It says the comparative analysis of different countries showed that the assumption of lockdowns effectiveness cannot be supported by evidence. So how do you trust the science when the evidence doesn't back up what you think you're seeing? Neither regarding the present COVID-19 pandemic, get this, or nor regarding the 1918 Spanish flu discussion or other less severe pandemics in the past. So literally, there is no point in which these ever had an effective situation. And they knew that. That's why pre-2020, they were not involved in any plans. Then weirdly, right when this starts, they just turn everything over and say, oh, let's do it. Why? Because in my opinion, they knew that it would hurt you. They being whoever you want to point at who was aware of these things and made these conscious choices. It's there. Why would they make sure to not include this in everything before 2020 and then suddenly flip it around? Or same with like with masks, knowing that the mask studies show you that they increase your risk of infection, which I'll come back to. Oops. And telling you to wear them anyway. In fact, specifically saying cloth masks. I don't know how you misunderstand that. We estimate, the study says, that lockdowns may claim 20 times more life years than they save. Now this isn't this is a peer-reviewed study, but it's 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 more it's it's collecting essentially the other 
uh, lockdown management implementation and the study studies confirming and then denying the effectiveness, sort of a meta analysis. This is not the end all be all. I would never say that. It's one more study in a long line of studies that are finding statistically and using all sorts of other information that this is not effective. And that, and the point is, to claim 20 times more life years is because they're hurting people, hurting children's mentally, mental capacity, making people take their, each other's lives or making people commit suicide or more, more spousal abuse or, I mean, everything you could possibly imagine, not treating certain problems. And by the way, they knew this. Again, they knew all of this because people that knew were saying this in the beginning and they just shouted them all down. And that, that my tweet is here. If you want to share that yourself, I highlighted it for you and everything. Now, here is, and again, another another tweet of, of Dr. Bhattacharya saying the same thing. Consequences of lockdowns have been tremendously bad. There's no, There is not a benefit here. These things dramatically hurt people. The world is interconnected, right? So uh, the last uh, 30, 40 years, one of the major uh, sort of good things that come out is, is that we've, we've interconnected the world as, and, uh, as a result a billion people have been lifted out of poverty worldwide. Uh, how did that happen? In part, it happened because poor countries reorganized their economies in order to fit into this globalized, global, sort of the, the broader global uh, um, global economy. And by the way, in no way am I supporting the idea that this is the right. I mean, I'm not saying there's not some benefit to countries if they should choose to do that or the peoples of the countries to do that, the globalization idea. But I'm just to be clear, that's not the point of why I'm sharing this. I personally think that's a huge manipulation of what these people are, or rather that these people even want that. But different point. Here's what the point is. Uh, overnight, we just said, no, thank you. The consequences of that have been tremendously bad. Right, so uh, the UN estimated very, very early on that a hundred million people would be thrown into poverty as a consequence of this, of the lockdowns. And the point, guys, is that they knew this. They knew this would happen. The UN said it. The WHO even said it. They did it anyway. Why? Because I think it's very important for them to drive people into a situation of desperation to justify what their next step is going to be. I mean, how do we not see that? They're destroying the food supply. They're destroying your, I mean, everything you could possibly look at, they are tearing down to reimagine and rebuild it better in their minds, or even that's what they're saying. I mean, and it's all on the surface. They told you they're going to reimagine, build back better and, you know, new normal and everything they're yelling. But then the moment you point at it, you're a conspiracy theorist. I mean, th talk about dis counterintuitive. Like this is meant to make you feel schizophrenic. It's literally being expressed in real time right in front of you. Talking about the fourth industrial revolution, the great reset, what we need to reimagine and do all of this. It's happening right now. And then you go, but look at this destroying the, the food supply. Oh, fake news. That's Russia. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. But we know this is what did it uh, in, in part. That is actually come to pass. A hundred million people have been thrown into poverty. We're talking dire $2 a day of income or less poverty. Uh, tens of millions of people have been thrown into dire food insecurity, meaning they, they go to bed hungry. Uh, the, in, uh, in March of 2021, there was an estimate that UN put out that 230,000 children had died in South Asia alone as a consequence of the lockdown, the, the, the economic dislocation caused by the lockdown, in particular through hunger and through and skipped vaccinations. Okay, so it's not it's okay for two hundred and thirty thousand people. Did they say children or people? Caused by the lockdown, in particular through as a consequence of the children had died in children. South Asia alone. Right. So it's okay for two hundred and thirty thousand children to die because of lockdowns to what? To save uh, to arguably save 
people from something that's not dangerous. Like, think about how crazy and backwards that is. They're literally going, what about the children? Children protect COVID from children. You know, it's not really the risk. These children are obviously not in danger from COVID-19. And you, you take an action to save them that actually destroys them. This is the, guess what, guys? Solution being worse than the problem. Remember who swore up and down that wouldn't be the case? Donald Trump. And you can't blame all this on Biden. They all did the same thing, guys. Donald Trump's a state of emergency is what allowed this to happen. Just because he wasn't the one explicitly that made a national it, it's uh, you know, lockdown, which never happened. No one's done that. The individual governors have committed lockdowns. It's because of the state of emergency, because of the, the Defense Production Act, and these different things that were initiated that have continued forward. It's all narrative difference. That's all it is. The same actions have been taken since. It's just, it's just, I wish we could all see that. So I believe that Trump and or DeSantis, whoever else gets voted in next, is going to swing the whole thing back around and Republicans are going to fall for it again. At least those stuck in the two party paradigm. Suddenly the injections will be the good injections because it's their injection. It's the same stuff. Now, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I see it all happening again. You got all these Republicans getting voted in, which I'm not saying is necessarily a bad thing. Maybe they believe and maybe they will do the right thing by us. The argument being that they care about your medical freedom. But is that what's going to happen? Do they really? Or are they just selling you on things like Trump did to get elected? And all of a sudden, it's going to become the same point. Well, well, here we have a genuine problem, and they trust them because it's a Republican saying it. And now we have to lock down because it's real this time. You know that people will fall for that. And I, this is why the two-party paradigm is dangerous. Sorry, a little tangential point there. As a consequence of the lockdown, the, the, the economic dislocation caused by the lockdown, in particular through hunger and through and skipped vaccinations. Right. That is the that is the cost of the lockdown. It's you can you can denominate it in dollars if you want, but don't make any mistake. It was not dollars that was at stake. It was lives of the poor and the vulnerable that was at stake when we decided to lock down. And they are the ones that have paid the price for it. Exactly. Now, here's the WHO saying the same thing as I played for you before. I won't play the whole thing because he basically says exactly what Dr. Bar just said. But this is I mean, this is incredible that this is, I believe, in 2020 or 2021. And he is literally saying as a representative of the WHO that lockdowns should not be the primary means of containment. But it is. That's what they're doing. It's already set in stone for these people that the next time they have the opportunity, they're going to lock back down. There's already places doing that right now. I want to say it again. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean. Yeah, it goes on. They make poor people a hell of a lot poorer. It destroys everything. And even then, guys, they don't have a right to do this. They don't have a right to, to, to shut everything down and your, shut your life down. There are rights that are supposed to be protected, but they don't care about that. Now, by the way, my brother just sent me something I just think is interesting to include in this conversation just to show you the pandemic of the injected and the illusion that all this is. Maybe slightly disjointed. Ashton Kutcher reveals that super rare <laughs> disease took his hearing and vision and balance. Gee, I wonder if that super rare thing has anything to do with the super dangerous injection that they're giving everybody that they call super rare and super rare. So, you know, und how about the fact that in Alberta, still the number one cause of death is unexplained. <laughs> I said, come on. I'm not saying I know for sure that's what this is or that I know for sure that every unexplained death is the injection. But my God, how we can be in a place where there are plenty of experts saying it's dangerous. And then they go, well, the biggest cause of death is unexplained deaths for the first time ever. And we don't want to pretend there's even a discussion to be had. 
gosh, it's so infuriating. Ashton Kutcher revealed that an autoimmune disorder. My God. I'll have to revisit this, guys. This is just embarrassing. I'm going to come back to that. Well, I'm going to include it. Let me save it real quick so I can talk about this in the future. <laughs> and again, I'm not, I don't know for sure. Maybe it was a genuine autoimmune disorder, whatever. But it's just kind of crazy that we, I mean, what was this super rare thing? I don't want to get lost in this. Yeah, I'll come back to it. But I just think it's funny that this is all being like it's okay to acknowledge or to take on the take on you know at face value that some of these things might be this or might be that without any real connection yet we have a real obvious correlation with something that we know can cause what they're dealing with but nope fake news now on the mask part of it same discussion of the lockdowns mass and everything else that we're clearly still fighting apparently NBC news keep masking they say CDC says <laughs> as hundreds die of covid daily which, by the way, is not even accurate, especially since we know that there's a lot of other things being called COVID. We've got a PCR test with a dramatically high false positive rate with the cycle threshold that they're currently still using, even though they know that's the case, which is why they use 28 cycle threshold for breakthrough cases. I mean, you can't miss this stuff. And it says CDC has no plans to change restrictions. That doesn't mean that doesn't say tomorrow, next month, at the end of this. That's ever. They have no plans to ever change restrictions. COVID masking is going to be your future or masking in general. But the point is always, guys, is this is ridiculous because the data is very, 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 very clear more than any other part of this whole conversation in the context of masks, as you should know by now from watching the show. The Fulgen effect. This study revealed the science. The Fulgen effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate, was not able to reduce transmission also suggests the universal use of masks may have had a harmful unintended consequence. The carbon dioxide can content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This study, the RAND controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended. In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. And the point is, here's the tweet again that I've had to repost for the 40, probably the fourth time, fourth account, right? This was posted originally, and this was one of the, uh, this was the Tennessee pirate account, actually. This almost went viral. There was like 6,000 retweets and boop, deleted the account. I wonder why. And here's all the links, guys. I mean, ask yourself how they can, and this, this was labeled as misleading. How, ask how it's misleading. When I say that many peer-reviewed studies show, which they do, masks can be unsafe, which they do, and are not statistically significant, which they do. I mean, by the way, I'm not reading my opinion. I am literally reading exactly what it says verbatim. And then I list the peer-reviewed science. <laughs> what else does that, guys? And yet, nope, fake news, deleted. And the other accounts, by the way. The point is that they're still acting like this is sound. A thousand ways over we can prove this doesn't make sense. Not statistically significant in reducing transmission is the main point that you should be saying. It's not. And they know that. They've been saying it right up until COVID. Then they shifted everything, and now they're slowly letting it come out. The point is, remember, it was cloth masks. Everyone has to wear cloth masks. Or they're all going to die right up until Lena Wen and Gottlieb got up on Fox and CNN one day apart and said, guess what? Cloth masks don't work. No new evidence. 
That they still point to the same thing I've been pointing at that's from British Medical Journal 2015, a, a cluster of randomized controlled trial of cloth masks. As you've seen a thousand times on this show, moisture retention and reuse of those masks and pore filtration increase your risk of infection on top of the fact that they should not be recommended. I show it in that tweet. This is the only peer-reviewed random controlled trial on cloth masks. Are we pretending they don't know that's there? Trust the science and all that? Of course they do. They knew this was there and made you wear them anyway knowing it would increase your risk of infection. Think about that. Then we realize the injections you're taking increase your risk of infection for the first seven days and at increased risk of infection by 75% after three months. Every And then lockdowns are increasing your risk of infection with no, I mean, every possible angle is putting you at risk. All that being said, the point is with the new evidence today, when there's a thousand ways you could talk about this, here's another study. Here's the actual study, the dynamics of SARS-CoV-2 infectivity with changes in aerosol microenvironment. Now, this is actually an important one, but in, in the bigger context, it's a smaller point because the reality is that everything about this puts you in danger and doesn't have any effect on what they say it does. But guess what, guys? It turns out that the mask itself is what's keeping this in whatever. we're Now, of course, the people that are going to discuss the terrain theory, which is a valid conversation, are not going to like this point. But from within their narrative, the science they're telling you to trust finds that a mask keeps the COVID virus along longer, or SARS-CoV-2, in fact, to be more to be specific. That's this is what they find. The study concluded, conducted by the University of Bristol, looked at what happens when COVID is exhaled in respiratory aerosol into the surrounding environment. It says the authors used an instrument to probe survival in a small population of droplets, droplets, typically five to ten, containing at least one virus per droplet. They measured the results of the droplets over the course of 20 minutes of levitation in, in, in bother low 40 percent and high relatively humidity. Now, of course, this is a laboratory study. That's important to point out. It is peer reviewed, but it's laboratory, meaning that this is not real world and so on. This is in a laboratory where they're creating this, which is that changes it. As always, I'm not going this changes everything. It's NLB all. It's just one more study adding to the very obvious reality that these things don't help you, but in fact hurt you. Low, the main point of it, the low pH levels were found in exhaled aerosols. But once the particles made contact with an environment which was lower in CO2, you know, the average world out there, the change in pressure increased the pH. So environments with higher than average levels of CO2, like inside your mask, resulted in pH levels dropping. So the overall summary is that high CO2 levels, like inside your mask, which we just, you can see that point made in the little clip I just played, especially in children's masks, it's unreal how high it is, way beyond the safe levels. So in areas that are high CO2 levels, result in low pH levels, which have no effect on, in, on infectivity. No effect. However, low CO2 levels result in high pH levels, which rapidly reduce viruses of any kind's infectivity. Meaning that when it, with no mask, you breathe out into the air and it rapidly begins breaking down the infectivity of the virus. Except when you have a mask on with lots of CO2, it doesn't at all. Meaning, as the title says, COVID survives much longer inside your mask. Think about that. Their science is finding this. Furthermore, low levels of RH resulted in infectivity dropping very quickly, whilst high levels of RH meant much slower drops. He says, I guess the title gave it away. But you can think of an environment with high humidity and high CO2 levels. Or it says, can you think of one? You got it. Masks. High humidity, high CO2. It's exactly what would need. I mean, coming from a person who worked in kitchens his whole life as a chef, there's very clear things that you're supposed to remember that increase your risk of getting people sick. Humidity, uh, moisture, temperature, 
right? These are, these are exactly what we're talking about. You know, it doesn't matter what context this conversation is in. That's the point I've been making from the beginning about the moist, wet, constant mask. They are keeping your risk of just creating and, and stewing problems in your little mask area all day long. It doesn't matter whether it's COVID-related or anything else. It's common sense, and it's based in any field you look at. It says, whilst the study didn't mention masks, this is surely the logical conclusion. The perfect environment for keeping the virus alive. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Now, on top of that, remember this other peer-reviewed study that came out that was also ignored. This was on February 18, 2022, called the Fogan Effect, a mechanism by which face masks contribute to COVID-19 case fatality rate. Not just cases, but dramatically increase your risk of dying. And the point was, I think I can get it really quickly. I didn't highlight it. It says, these findings suggest that mask use might pose a yet unknown threat to user instead of protecting them. Mask mandates a debatable epidemiological intervention. The cause of this trend is explained herein using the Fogan effect theory. That is, and this has been proven in animals, is the clear point, deep re-inhalation deep re of hyper-condensed droplets or pure virons caught in face masks as droplets can worsen prognosis and might be linked to long-term effects of COVID infection meaning long COVID. While the Fogan effect is proven in vivo and animal models, further research is needed to fully understand it. Again, not ever saying these are the end-all be-all. It's just one more point in a long line of points that are making this very clear. And in the bottom point, I'll make a couple more points here. It says the Fogan effect could increase the overall viral load because virons that should have been removed from the respiratory tract are returned. I mean, this is, talk about common sense. That's what that is. But here's the main points I wanted to make sure we're clear. The better use, so the N95 version of this conversation with higher droplet filtering capacity probably should cause an even stronger Fogan effect because the number of virons that are potentially re-inhaled increase in the same way. This is making it worse. Another salient point, as it made kind of up there, is that COVID-19-related long-term effects, which other peer-reviewed science has found is largely psychosomatic, and on top of that, the multi-system inflammatory syndrome and children they're trying to blame on COVID may all be, it may all be a direct cause of this Fogan effect. This is peer-reviewed science. This should at the very least be acknowledged and discussed. Nope, because it shows you what they do not want to acknowledge. Even the possibility of it is fake news, peer-reviewed or otherwise, random controlled trial or otherwise. But don't but make sure you hear, keep masking though, because CDC says. Right, the very CDC study that we showed in that actual clip from 2020 found that there was, with, by the way, a huge meta-analysis of like 20-plus radical-controlled trials found that there was no statistically significant effect. But somehow, magically, between 2020 and 2021, everything changed, right? Magically, in the middle of a pandemic, they found it all works, and you're a liar. It's all fake news. But trust the CDC, right? And again, radical-controlled trial cloth masks, dangerous. Now, that point brings me to the one thing I wanted to discuss quickly, if I can— a man's aneurysm triggered by mouth bacteria that spread to his brain. You guys will remember this conversation I had right in the beginning of all this discussion. Here's a link that you can watch. Do masks cause bacterial pneumonia? The answer is yes. Can they? Is it always? I don't know that. Can they? 100%. I don't. I think I deleted the. Uh, let's see. I had a clip of, of Dr. James Lyons Weiler saying, agreeing with me on that, but the, it's very clear. The science is undeniably clear. It basically dries out your mouth. That's a common reality of masks, which then causes things like streptococcus and different bacteria in your mouth. That's very common to be pulled back into your lungs, which, by the way, then completely in, dramatically increases your risk of bacterial pneumonia, which, by the way, has the same symptoms as COVID and also can be spread and caught. And that then that gets called COVID-19. Look at that. Because pneumonia and flu are combined in the COVID-19 numbers. It's called PIC 
on the co- on the CDC website. See how easy this is to break down? The bottom line is, I believe that's what this is. That's my opinion. I, I'm just This is just my opinion, though. The rare case required treatment from both brain and heart surgeons. Here's what it says. Cavity-causing bacteria. That's what we're talking about. Which we all have in our mouth. Traveled to his heart and then his brain. Now, could have happened without any, with masks or anything else? Yeah, of course, certainly could have. But how much you want to bet, and I do know this person is injected and wearing masks all day long, all the time, like everybody else, and this is increasing their risk. Keller, a 49-year-old architect in Chicago, runs marathons, works out, never gets sick, he said, right up until COVID-19 land. Keller thought perhaps he might have gotten COVID-19 without knowing it. Apparently, that did not what happened. Infection inside the heart. They do say that. That's not what happened. Keller had endocarditis. Sounds familiar. An infected heart valve from, guess what, guys? Streptococcus mutants. Bacteria that live in the mouth and cause tooth decay. Right? Any doctor will tell, any dentist will tell you, because of the mask, these things are wildly exacerbated. They're getting worse and worse. Teeth are falling out, bad breath, all sorts of bacterial pneumonia. It's everywhere. They just never reported it because they don't want people realizing that it's putting people at risk. I mean, I've talked to dentists. They've been putting out all sorts of, I mean, again, I could go off forever. I'm trying to make this quick because I got to get the show done. Here, and all the other mass studies I've taught or shows that I've done, which are all right down here, are all telling you the same. All the data is there. The dentists were speaking out in the beginning. They've never seen this many problems. It says, quote, however, in certain instances, the bacteria can overwhelm the body's immune response or stick to certain sites like the heart valves leading to infection. It says he didn't have a tooth cavity or recent dental work when it happened, but the germs were still able to reach his heart anyway. Gee, I wonder if there was something involved that made that much easier. Nobody wants to ask these questions, right? In February, Keller underwent a crano, craniotomy. Craniotomy. Cranio, craniotomy. I try to say it with this flowing. It's a weird word. Craniotomy. Where surgeons opened his skull and performed what Jerome called a double brain bypass. Sounds lovely. Two months later, he was back on the operating table to have his heart valve re- replaced. And he's wearing a mask. <laughs> My God. I mean, I just, you know, it's just insulting. Like before, by the way, if you, before all this happened, patients weren't wearing masks in hospitals. That's not what happened. Now they all are, even when they go in for breathing problems or pneumonia. I'm not even making this up. They put a mask on people that are literally having a problem breathing. It's, it's, it's incredible. That is broken brains, even in doctors and nurses and everything else. But I just want to throw it out there as a possibility. And here's the point, guys. I'm not saying I know this is caused by a mask or the injection or anything else. I'm simply posing it as a thought process, a thought experiment to ask yourself if you think that makes sense. And yet they'll call that conspiracy theory. How is that even possible? Because we're in a world where asking questions that aren't allowed are now problematic to them. And they always have been. They're just now saying that. And the, the, the token conspiracy theory term is what they like to use. Check it out for yourself, guys. It's pretty damn obvious. Now, I wanted to make sure I went over this really quickly, but I think I'm going to do this on a different show just because I want to wrap up close to six-ish so I can jump over to the other show. But I will I will make a point to go over this more in depth. Well, you know what? Let's, let's just do it. I'll, I'll join a little bit late. I want to break this down. Now, th- first of all, the point was this IRS point I'm going to include. The first discussion was about the climate change just part of this huge bill that I wanted to make sure you guys saw that I told you I'd circle back to. August 7th, Democrats passed a major climate health... Why is that? That was weird. Climate health and tax bill. Here's what's in it. Now, I'm going to come back to that because specifically the part about tackling climate change, which is quite alarming. Before we get to that, though, so you see where we're getting to, I wanted to focus on one little part of this. 
Biden proposes doubling IRS workforce. So IRS agents that are going to be combing through your life as part of a plan to snag tax cheats. Now, they swear it's only big people with lots of money, but you know that never happens. Like they swore that all the loans would go to small people and it turned out most of them went to big companies. Oops, we're bad. We screwed up. We weren't paying attention. As always, they'd rather be seen as incompetent than criminal. Same thing's going to happen here. Mark my words. Mark my words. They're going to swear up and down that it's only going to be people that make over $4,000 a year. And then there's going to be some excuse or some reason or some shift that makes it have to happen. And you will be focused on. Well, they're all going to focus on whether or not you are using cryptocurrency, whether or not you are using certain kind of anonymity tools. That's what it gets into. They're using the idea that it only focuses on the rich to make you okay with it, apparently. The department's total budget would increase for the IRS by 10% annually and in a way that won't be able to be reversed. President Biden is proposing to double the size of the IRS, double the size of one of the most illegal institutions that we have that is completely unconstitutional when you really break it down. Even IRS agents have broken away and said that and have made videos about it. They stopped working for them when they realized that the IRS itself was literally counter to the Constitution. But here we are, doubling its size now by hiring nearly 87,000 new workers over the next decade as part of a sweeping plan to chase down tax cheats. Right, because that's what matters right now, where we can barely feed our families. They make sure they squeeze every penny out of the people, right? The hiring spree, part of a bid to increase IRS funding by $80 billion. $80 billion. So that they'll completely shut down, by the way, both Republicans and Democrats, giving you money, $48 billion for small businesses and people that are struggling, but they'll discuss $80 billion with no problem to go to the IRS. And it would be phased in to give the department time to adjust. It says, at the same time, the administration wants to require financial institutions and other businesses to report a lot more information about the money coursing through their customers' accounts. Now, what does that have to do with the people that have over $400,000? Oh, I see. So if you have over $400,000 and let's just say you run a bank, well, then that means we're going to look at you. But no, we're going to look at the people's accounts that you manage. This is just a complete and very transparent sidestep. They are, I'll read it again. They're going to require financial institutions and other businesses to report a lot more about you and your money coursing through their for your accounts in their institutions. A proposal, a proposal, it says, designed to put the fear of the IRS in the hearts of the tax scoff laws. Right. The, scout, the, the flout laws, people that are challenging what they're supposed to be doing. Right. You. They want to be able to track and more so categorize keep track of your financial transactions. It's part of a concerted effort, it says, by the administration to go after uncollected taxes owed by, and they say large corporations, partnerships, and wealthy individuals. But how does that have to do with their customers' accounts then, right? Money Democrats want to use to finance their big-ticket spending plans. About 80% of the tax gap is attributable to people underreporting their incomes or taking too many deductions. Yeah, God forbid you should work the system like everybody else does in the know. Right. Too many deductions. Are you kidding me? Underreporting their income because you're taking half of it. The rest of people either not filling filing returns at all or doing their taxes correctly and failing to pay what they owe. Do you realize how many people see this is what they're using? The fact that people in the wealthy elitist group, most of them are constantly. I mean, Trump gloated about it. And, you know, why shouldn't he? If you're simply following the law they've laid out and abusing the system the way they allow you to. 
as much as I still find it disgusting that the average person struggles in Trump's position, is the one of the times where I'm like, yeah, well, sure, sure, to point out, he's actively talking about how he abuses that system because if they're allowing people to, but the point is the rich are the ones doing that. So they're using this to make it seem like they're going after that. They're not, guys. Mark my words, because those are the people that fund their campaigns. While the administration intends to boost scrutiny of high earners, it says audit rates for those making less than 400000 would not increase under the proposal. You know that's not true. I could be wrong. My gut tells me, and I, I'm willing to say, like I said, mark my words. Remind me when this happens so I can be like, oh, that's right. I predicted that would happen. Yeah, it's going to be you and the average person. Most of the administration, and by the way, how are we ever even going to know? It's not like we have any kind of metric we can look at for the IRS. It's one of the most shadowy organizations in all the stuff we look at. Most of the administration's $80 billion budget hike would come in the form of so-called mandatory spending that would not be able, that it wouldn't have to be approved every year. Meaning it just never gets to be taken away. Because they say in the past, there's been so many big budget swings that they it's hard for them to manage. Yeah, who cares? Nobody in this country cares about the IRS. The only thing that matters in that regard is the ability to fund your wars. You can look past at a point in the country, by the way, at a time when the country was the most successful, when there was no income tax. The point is that they need that money to be able to fund their agendas, not you. So-called payment settlement and settlement entities like PayPal, foreign financial institutions, and cryptocurrency exchanges, of course, would also be subject to additional reporting. Yeah, again, what does that have to do with people who make over 400000 Nothing. It's about anybody using those things and about the fact that they now need to report what you're doing. They just slide these in like, it, Matt, like it's not about you and the small people using cryptocurrency to avoid accountability. And that's, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I don't want the government combing through my transactions that have nothing to do with them. Why do they act like they need a cut of the money that has nothing to do with anything they have any, th any say in? I mean, this is like this. And they understand, guys, if your neighbor comes over and gives you $100, you're supposed to report that to the IRS. Why does that make sense? Nothing in that transaction had anything to do with the, with the government at all. But it says businesses would have to alert the IRS to cryptocurrency transactions with more than $10,000. Oh, but still, let's pretend like it's only rich people, though. Despite constituting a relatively small portion of business income today, cryptocurrency transactions, the government says, are likely to rise in importance in the next decade. Isn't that funny? You, oh, you mean the thing that you guys have been discounting and dismissing as complete bubble nonsense, fake money this whole time, and now because you're slowly stepping into the crypto, or not crypto, um, specifically at this point, but the digital, the central central bank backed digital currency situation. Now we're now we're going. Well, you know, they're going to become more important. I mean, why are we not insulted by how dumb that is that they're going to? And the reason they attacked it is to get people to run away from it so they can scoop up all the market. They can control it. And now they're letting you slightly see that, yes, it will become more important. It's not actually fake like we said it was before, because now we're starting to control it. The main benefit of the proposal, they said, would be deterrence. Because tax cheats would know the government can peer into previously opaque streams of money. They'd be less likely to cheat on their taxes, officials said. Right. So now we're in the middle of an IRS financial panopticon. Right. You don't know for sure where they're looking at you, but you assume they can see it. So you do less bad things. Bad, bad, bad. Don't do what the government says you can't. That's the world they're building where you don't know for sure, but you just assume you're being watched like the NSA or anything else. They said fake news until they admit it's for your best interest. We are walking, blind walking, sleepwalking into that panopticon right now, both the financial and technocratic future. And to go further from that, this is the bill that's included in, and this is specifically about climate change, a discussion that most that 
a lot of people, half this country, does not even agree with in regard to how they're talking about it. To be clear, guys, somebody just emailed me about this. In no way am I arguing that there is not damage being done to this planet. I've talked about the Anthropocene, which is called the sixth extinction. We don't even talk about these things. There's Scientists argue, and you could be wrong, that we are literally in the midst of what's called the sixth extinction. One of those extinctions in history was when the dinosaurs died, right? The argument being that what we're seeing develop is that right now. Now, it's a totally different conversation from climate change and carbon reduction and all the things they're pushing. My opinion is that that is an illusion. They're pushing the idea of what the, you know, the <clears throat> global warming and then the ice age and everything else. They have the back and forth and you're, you're going to be underwater by two, the year 2000. This is about controlling that and then not actually changing the damage being done. Because you know who does the most damage to the, the world and the environment? Your governments, their militaries, all sorts of companies and corporations they work with, not you and your car that takes you to work. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to improve the environment. Try to use something that's better for the environment, whatever you think that is. That should be your choice, not some unelected technocratic elitist group that makes those decisions and pushes them on everybody else around the world and says, take it on the chin for the world. That's not how this is supposed to go. As it says, more than $300 billion, $300 billion would be invested in energy and climate reform, the largest federal clean energy investment in U.S. history. Now, again, I am not opposed to clean energy. If that's actually what it is, instead of finding that oh, these things are run by coal or these charging stations are run by oil, like it's so what it's such a childish manipulation. The bottom line, though, is that it should. I I I agree that we should be going in a direction that is using less fossil fuel. That's my opinion. But in no way should anybody be forced to make those choices. It should be your choice. But the bottom line is they're creating a situation where nobody has choices anymore because they're arguing it's a desperation. We have to do it now before the world ends. But they said that back in the year 2000. The point is, this is a massive amount of money coming out of your pocket for something that's going to create a control structure based on the idea of climate change. The bill has support from many environmental and climate activists. That's my opinion, by the way. But is short of the $555 billion, half a trillion dollars that they actually wanted. But yeah, because environmental and climate activists say this is right, then it must be, right? Like Greta Thunberg, of course, because she knows, right? The portion of the bill takes on transportation. Hopefully you see that I was being facetious right there. The portion of the bill takes on transportation and electricity generation. And it includes $60 billion for growing renewable energy infrastructure and manufacturing solar panels and wind turbines. But here's the problem. The way that they're talking about that are just like we said, the wind turbines that use other kinds of energy or solar panels that they then control and tax you on like we're seeing today. Instead of being able to use solar panels, like you can go out and buy for your home now and never pay a bill again. See, that's not what they want, though. They want to dole these things out and bill and tax you for just this. It's a new control structure. It's like Tesla in regard like Nikola Tesla in regard and, 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 um, and it was Frank. What am I? Franklin, right? That's crazy. Anyway, the point of, you know, the, the creation of ele the electricity versus Tesla's ungovernable technological techno uh, electricity. What's the word I'm looking for? Technology, excuse me. The point being that Nikola Tesla had a version that was not something that could be used by the government to tax you for its use. It was free for everybody. And then somebody else created a version that was controllable, and that's what we stuck with, to where you could be taxed for it, you could be charged for it, instead of just saying, here's free energy for everybody, or here's free Wi-Fi for everybody, which they could do. It's very simple. It, it, there's all, Right now, the only reason you pay for Wi-Fi is because they put a block in front of it. It's all around you. 
The problem is they want to be able to control your use of it and dole it out. That's where they're going with this stuff, guys. So even if solar panels and wind turbines are the right direction, it's not them that should be setting this up and controlling the future of it. Not people. Edison, thank you. Thank you. I don't know why I could. I was confused. Why was I thinking Franklin? Oh, that's I know. Anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. It also includes uh, several tax credits. And here's where it gets into the incentive incentivizing for individuals like things like electric vehicles and making homes more energy efficient. What does that mean? Smart meters or electric cars that still use charging stations that are run on oil. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, I'm not even saying that there's not something in that direction that we should be thinking about, but not in the way that we're being forced. Smart meters is what they're talking about in efficiency and so on. The, the smart grid and the smart cities and 5G infrastructure. The point is that those are being, you're being credited. You're being giving breaks and financial breaks if you decide to step into this. And eventually that's going to flip on you and become, well, now you're going to be penalized if you don't. And then eventually it's going to be, well, we can't let these people that don't understand dictate the future and we're going to make them do it. Just like with the injections and everything else. Mark my words. Quote, it puts us within a close enough distance that further executive action, state and local government efforts, and private sector leadership, public-private partnerships, World Economic Forum, could plausibly get us across the finish line by, guess what, 2030. They're not even hiding this organization about the end goal of the sustainable goals of the UN and 2030 and nitrogen and carbon and everything they're doing around the world that has nothing to do with what you want or what you voted for. And by the way, all these actions are hurting you, your bottom line, your, your current situation, your energy, your food infrastructure, every or security, everything. Why is that something we're okay with? I think this is absolutely incredible. And as uh, I believe this was Wittgenstein to post this, the basic ways the government steals your money. If you earn it, income tax. If you live somewhere, property tax. If you spend it, sales tax. If you save it, inflation tax. If you invest it, capital gains tax. If you start a business, licenses. If you own a good business, profit tax. Think about that. If you give it away, gift tax. If you die, inheritance tax. Over and over and over. This is a scam, and we are being screwed by people that have no concern for your best interest. And by the way, now they're pushing this out and saying, we're going to squeeze you even more with more IRS. Well, here's Wittgenstein, who, by the way, a bunch of these videos for him. He posted a whole bunch of good ones. A global goal to attain net zero emissions by 2050 is contributing to a surge in demand for electric cars. Now, the 2050 is the 2030 discussion. The batteries that power these vehicles contain cobalt, much of which is mined in Democratic Republic of Congo, which, by the way, on a different note, is why we've seen regime change and manipulation from the government there for a long time. But same, so, too, with places like that have lithium and other needed rare earth minerals. Every place that has a huge deposit, weirdly enough, is focused on for bad guy terrorism things and so on. I mean, it's just so very transparent. Now, here's this clip showing you what these people are going through to actually get these things for everybody else. This is what the world's soaring demand for cobalt is doing to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Under each of these shelters are deep tunnels dug by hand. They often collapse. At the end of them are deposits of cobalt, of which Congo exported nearly $2 billion worth in 2019. And exports are growing fast. But the miners say they're being cheated. We're working very hard and digging very far to take this out, but we're getting almost nothing for it. The conditions are dangerous, but we're not paid for our level of sacrifice under the ground. And the sacrifices are great. 
The miners working here say when they enter the shaft, it takes them one and a half hours to climb all the way down and then through the narrow tunnels to reach the rock face where they're cutting out the cobalt. The craziest part about this is that you know, the Greta Thunbergs of the world, or the game, everyone else that's pushing this idea, it, it, it's, it's, or it's the same as like flying their big, massive jets around to argue we shouldn't be doing things in your cars. Like, it's such a wild contradiction. Do they, they know this is what's happening. Do they not care? Like, if, okay, let's put it this way. If they think this is the right direction, shouldn't they rectify this problem first before they make this happen and dramatically ramp up its production? As they argue it's about building a sustainable future, well, it's sure as hell not sustainable for them. I mean, it, you just can't make sense of this. It, they don't care about all the things they claim they care about. It's a means to an end. End of their shift, it takes them even longer to climb all the way back up. And it doesn't look safe at all. There are cracks in the sides of the earth, and it's propped up with tree branches and thin timbers. People here told us two miners were buried alive the day before we visited. When they didn't come home from work, their wives came here to find out what happened. They're waiting for the bodies to be dug out. The week before, people told us these men died here in another collapse. As soon as the bodies and debris are removed, the miners keep digging out cobalt. Nobody here can afford to stop. There aren't any other jobs for them. This is the end of a line of about 40 men that starts deep underground. About a fifth of Congo's cobalt is dug out like this by hand. The government's planning reforms. It says it wants to make the sector safe. They risk it all to dig out one of the world's most sought-after minerals, but they only see a tiny fraction of its profits. It's just so sad to watch these people struggle and, and nobody, nobody seems to care what they're going through to create the future that they claim they want, which is not even actually what's happening. Now, what you should look into is who is actually buying up most of this, right? And you're going to find a very clear answer to the very people that are pretending that they're fighting for some future that's not even really in the cards. But on top of that, Here's another example from Euro, Euronews.green. South America's lithium fields reveal the dark side of our electric future. Lithium, lithium extraction fields in South, South America have been captured by an aerial photographer in stunning high definition. Look at this, right? All this area, in which are wildly toxic. But while the images may be break, breathtaking to look at, they represent the dark side of our swiftly electrifying world. Lithium represents a root out of the reliance on fossil fuel pr production as the lightest known metal on the planet, but it says lithium, uh, where was it? It, does, it? it doesn't come without a cost. Mining the chemical element can be harmful to the environment. Literally, now I'm not going to even argue that whether or not one is more or less harmful, but the point is that this is not, the, the bottom line is this is actually quite dangerous. Now, it, sh it shouldn't be about this, ma it should be about a future that people are choosing for themselves. And whether or not this is the right future should be discussed. Because there's a valid case to be made about whether this might in fact be more dangerous long term because of how much will be needed like this to make the world completely using this kind of stuff, right? This is just a small for section because of where we are. But imagine suddenly the entire world demands these things. What do you, this, this will explode around the world. And you'll have all these very dangerous chemical fields all over mining this stuff. That doesn't sound sustainable to me. But it doesn't matter though because we're not conversing about this. We're being told what our future is.
Now, this says climate hazards are turning 218 diseases into bigger threats. Apparently, it's not the fact that you're taking a genetically altering injection that's dramatically increasing the risk of damn near every problem you might have. No, no, no. It's climate hazards, right? It's the climate change problem that's increasing all the illness. That's why we're seeing heart attacks and all these different problems, right? It's just disgusting what we're talking about today. Now, this says revolution has begun. 75,000 Brits to stop paying power bills amid inflation storm. Now, this is one direction people can take. United resistance, not violent, but simply standing up and saying, we refuse to pay these bills. Now, I already made this point from before, but I want you to realize that this is there's ways that collectively, if you cross party lines, that you have the power, guys. What are they going to do if you stop paying all of your bills? They can't arrest everybody, especially when they're the ones creating a situation to where it's it's not sustainable. You don't have the most people do not have the money to pay the kind of bills that they're creating, but just take it on the chin for Ukraine, right? Or whatever else they're telling you it's about. There are ways we can stand up against this. Now, the way it's all going is the most alarming part. We're going to see, again, this is not, a hundred years from now. This is not 20 years from now. This is right this moment. All the things we were saying this would lead to and were shouted down as conspiracy theorists are actually already here. Facial recognition smartwatches to be used to monitor foreign offenders in the UK. Literally, people are going to be, people are being let in the country, but they're being forced to wear facial recognition smartwatches, which they have to check in with five times a day. And by the way, it's just saying migrants convicted of crimes. But first of all, those can be things as minor as marijuana crimes, or it could just be anybody they rationalize needs this. It's an opening the door situation where next thing you know, it's going to be, well, the people that aren't injected need to be wearing these. You can see how simply and quickly that can happen. The point is, it's already here that you're already seeing these kind of monitor checkpoints happening in certain situations, which will eventually bleed into everything. Here, August 7th, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta is now trying biometrics for entry, right? Which means facial scans, fingerprints. You have to do these things to get into the areas you want to get into. Now, I argue they're using these things to start at places like, you know, the bread and circuses of today, the football games, everything else, because the people that are going there, by and large, in my opinion, are not the ones that tend to be the most attuned to the larger problems. Not to insult intelligence or anything, it's just my opinion. But the point is simply that these, this, I argue that these sporting games are the bread and circuses of today. If you, it's a reference to the Roman Empire. The point is, these are already being set. And most of these people will just go, okay, just do it. I, I may not like it, but I've got season tickets, right? So it's a quick, easy step in that direction that people will go along with. Here is, is the, the clip that Wittgenstein played of this conversation. And this, guys, I mean, it's just, it's pretty... It's pretty crazy to see. Pretty crazy to see that this is actually rolling out in real time. That's weird. That's why I pulled it back to the beginning to see what it looked like. Maybe it's a different look. No, that's weird. Pretty sure I had that. Is that it? Yeah, here it is. Some club-level ticket holders can get into Mercedes-Benz Stadium using their face. The new technology is being tested over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the Atlanta United match when they take on Seattle Sounders tomorrow at 3. Certain ticket holders can test this special face scanner that serves as their ticket to get in. Tests will continue over the next five events at the stadium.
Oh, shoot. Sorry, guys. My mic was muted. My, the next point is dis digital identity discussion from Seek for Truth. My quick point I was making was that this is from Australia. And they're, they're, as I'll just read it again, Australians have to ask themselves, they really want the government acting as an omnipresent policeman standing guard over every commercial transaction. This is exactly what we're just looking at with the IRS. Same kind of thing. The increasing overview of all the things you're doing. Now, this is, a, this is the senator for Queensland who's speaking up about this and telling you what he sees coming. Let's be blunt. The so-called trusted digital identity bill represents a watershed moment in Australian history. We stand at the divide between a free personal enterprise future and a digital surveillance age. If nothing is done to stop this bill, government will sit in the middle of every interaction Australians have with each other and with the world. And it achieves this in the same way China does, by creating a digital identity that forms a central part of a person's life. You can call it a license to live. What began with COVID contact tracing, vaccine passports and QR check-ins will soon be formalised by an inescapable digital identity. It signals the complete end of consumer privacy, the end of citizen anonymity and the beginning of a big brother digital age that treats the people of Australia as products rather than free human beings. The government intends to build a complete digital record of every Australian to be shared and used. Our medical history, our shopping preferences, who we associate with, whether our choices are really so-called green, social security, veteran services, travel records, website viewing, employment status, and social media comments. Everything will go on the record and be available to any large corporation that can pay for access. All of this orchestrated by a federal liberal nationals government who proudly but distortingly call it a human-centric digital identity. Now, of course, the point, as always, I make is that it's not about left or right or liberal or conservative. Right? The problem is that the governments are all doing this. Now, whether he believes what he's saying or not, or he's saying it because it's an easy way for him to get the, the votes and you know whatever else, the point is it's accurate. What he's saying is true. And it's very clear that it's all happening. Now, of course, when somebody says that, they just, oh, that's because it's a conspiracy theorist. Right? It's an elected member of government doesn't mean they're not a conspiracy. There's not a liar or whatever you want to call them. But it's incredible how it just, the moment you say the thing that they don't want you to say, it's just, oh, conspiracy. He's a, he's, he's a fake news. He's a terrorist. He's a dangerous white supremacist. It's just so stupid and subjective, and we allow it to take place. Here is another video from the World Economic Forum telling you that, guess what? The AI that we're letting control everything and actually discussing how we're going to make like Eric Schmidt talking about allowing that to make decisions for foreign policy, how they're literally talking about that. You know, it also may hack your brain or say, you know, other unforeseen consequences. No big deal. Scientists are warning that AI may hack your brain and control your thoughts, decisions, and emotions. Scientists use an example of a paralyzed man participating in a clinical trial of a brain-computer interface. What's happening now? If the patient disagrees with the medical team, the AI connected to his brain could read his thoughts and interpret them as a command to harm the researchers. Despite no direct command being given by the patient, scientists say it is crucial to consider the possible consequences now, including a person's right to a private mental life. A private right to a private mental life. I can't even believe we're at a point where that's being discussed. Investment in the neurotechnology industry has reached $100 million a year that you're paying for. 
scientists are calling for a new ethical rule. Outline. They're going about this in every possible way they can to ensure that AI does not exploit and manipulate people. How about we just don't let it control the world? <laughs> I mean, let's like if we're going to let it do everything, we got to make new ethics to make sure it doesn't just overtake our world. And why would writing those things down on a piece of paper make a difference to what the AI decides? I mean, this is just a this is probably just I mean, Whitney would argue in a conversation here that it's possible this is an illusion in and of itself. That's not even what's happening, but it's about arguing that it is making decisions and they have to manage it. Meanwhile, there is no decision making. They're the ones making those decisions. You think AI is a threat or an opportunity? Yeah. Do we really think the World Economic Forum cares about your opinion? No, they don't. It's about acting like they're engaging with you. Here is microchip employees in Wisconsin. Which, by the way, we've talked about a lot. Happened in Sweden and elsewhere. This is in the United States. This is already happening. There's already situations where people are being incentivized to put implantables in their body to be able to access different things. Remember when that was a fake news conspiracy theory? Boston-based company Three Square Market announced its plans to install rice-sized microchips in its employees. That's right. This company is shoving microchips into their employees. And this movement is spreading worldwide. In Sweden, thousands already have microchip implants that they use in their daily lives. Next thing you know, we'll all be chipped. I'm going to pull a Harriet Tubman and free these white people. Wait, you know what I mean. I had to put an end to this evil technology before it dominates us all. The removal wasn't going to be pretty, but luckily... Now, this is on like a joke show, by the way. You can see in the bottom, it says the, the Daily Show, right? But the point is that they're, they're, they're downplaying with a comedy sequence the reality of this, that it's actually happening. I spent a summer working as an unlicensed proctologist. Hey, bend over. So I sat face to face with the man responsible for running a company of chipped employees. So, like, do you not think realize how patronizing and insulting it is that the best they can do when that really happens is to make a joke out of it it's real though that's the crazy part instead of acknowledging all those conspiracy theorists that said this would happen were fake news like they just make a joke about it but at the same time solidifying your mind that it's happening and it's okay that's how that works so where exactly is this chip implanted it's right there that's not where i thought but you brainwashed them and they're getting I literally can, with the swipe of the hand, do anything. You can start your car with it. You can make payments, unlock doors. I think y'all are helping people the wood chipper. Too close. That's a life alert. So good. Just wait to see what it can do. What can it do? You can buy snacks with a scan of your hand? Holy shit, it works. Now I know this chip. And then it gets tracked and monitored and cataloged like everything else. You get the point. My God. I mean, really, guys. I mean, it's absolutely incredible that this is ignored. Now, here's a more serious one. And this is a discussion from Nightly News. I think it's NBC. ID, wallet, keys, all in your hand. Now, this is Sweden. We've already talked about this. But it's important to see that this is a real deal thing that's happening. And it all rolled out, for the most part, underneath COVID-19. When Elias Brotberger goes to work, he doesn't need ID. And he doesn't need money. In fact, much of what he needs to get through the day is hidden right there, just below the surface in his hand. You like to touch it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's creepy is what it is. And it's alarming that this is not a that we can actually talk about microchips right now and you'll be dismissed as a conspiracy theorist. Right now, here's my point about this. Right now, they're telling you what is coming if you actually have the ears to hear it. 
right? If you are paying attention, they're telling you what's happening. And that's the craziest part about it. What underpins a world order is always the financial system. I, I was very privileged. My father was an advisor to Nixon when they came off the gold standard in 71. And so I was brought up with a kind of inside view of how very important the financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights. And there it is again. But what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The U.S. is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance to have a better life? Right. You see, because what they're doing is framing those ideas of a digital human rights outline as, as, as from your side. We're here to defend you. All they're doing is solidifying that that is the reality. Like, like that's a foregone conclusion. That's already happening. So therefore, let's make this digital constitution. How about we decide whether we even want that future before we start outlining what its constitution will look like? See, that's the point. You don't have a say in this. This is, now, this is a really interesting article from Australia where it says blockade Australia climate activist. So, of course, they're, they're couching this in the idea that, you know, people that are standing up to fight for the climate change reality. As if that, you know, so it's a weird conflation of the, of the point. But what they're saying is they got arrested. And now these people, regardless of what they were fighting for, aren't they can't use encrypted apps. They must let police access their phone. They're completely locked down. Now, how in the world are we pretending that that is acceptable in any free society where the government says, we don't like what you just did protesting for something that, you know, standing in the middle of the street or whatever. So we're going to make sure that you have to check in with the government. We can't use your phone. You can't use apps. You can't be anonymous. But that's the point, guys. It's going in that direction. Now, how much you want to bet the people that disagree with those that are screaming about climate change, I don't know, the people in the two-party paradigm, in this case, probably the Republicans, are going to go, yeah, make sure you can't do that because this guy's a terrorist for Antifa or whatever. You know how the two-party paradigm works. But at the same time, they're acknowledging and going along with that action. It's sort of like when people go, yeah, censor them because they're fake news. And then two weeks later, they get censored. Oh, what happened? Well, because you don't you were OK with censorship. It's always going to swing back around. And so, too, will the idea of technocratic control. That's what that is. Finally, or two points. Lastly, this is what I said. This is actually actually I'll play the clip real quickly, just the beginning of it to make my point. This is a new video from World, World Economic Forum as well. China's investing $168 million to control the weather. China's trying to create rain with a technology called cloud seeding. This new and unknown thing we've really just now stepped into. I, I mean, really? <laughs> cloud seeding? I mean, even that term has been the, re the argument by people arguing that geoengineering is fake news. Well, cloud seeding's been around for 450, 100 years. Are you, I mean, this is how stupid they think you are. You can look up cloud seed and it goes back to like 1950 or before. 
And it's been happening. And then if you talk about chemtrails, people on Twitter will say, no, it's cloud seeding. It's been going on forever. And here's World Economic Forum stepping up and using China bad guy is trying to do this new thing, cloud seeding to affect the weather. Guess what, guys? They've all been doing it for a long time. 2018, the... Uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Brennan stood up and said, we're doing, we're putting aluminum, barium in the sky to affect climate change and fight the weather. It's very obvious. My point here is how insulting it is that they pretend like this is new. As I said, hey, guess what else, guys? The government just announced they'll be adding fluoride to your water, spying on your phone calls using the NSA, and collecting data on your internet activity for the first time, all starting today, that have never been done until now. They promise. I mean, how dumb they must think people are. And you're not that dumb. That's the reality. And they're finding that out real fast. Finally, one point. I was going to read it all, but just this one tweet. Westerners, as Caitlin Johnstone points out, Westerners think they are free because they criticize their president or prime minister when a small amount of research quickly reveals that those officials aren't the ones calling the shots on any issues of importance. Westerners aren't even allowed to know who their real government is. Let that sink in. She goes on to make a bunch of great points, but in the interest of me not being incredibly late to the Union of the Unwanted, I'll leave it there, guys. Now, thank you for tuning in, as always. It's just never been more clear. Thank you for supporting this outlet. Please do your best to continue to donate and support because we are continuing to be attacked in every possible way. And every single day, it becomes more and more important that you find ways to support us, even if that's just sharing the link and letting your friends see what's going on, because it's very clear. Thank you all. I love you all. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion? Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. Yeah! 
when liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We called people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence in our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. eventually that this government imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. Stop! Help! Stop! Help man, this shit ain't right bro! But what's happening now as unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. You can do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out! Do not let your voices be silenced.